I don't know about you, uh, but I grew up hearing the admonishment at school and uh, in society that there are no stupid questions. Now, I tried to defy that one time when I was in a science class, and the science teacher said, you know, I just want you to understand, there are no stupid questions. And so I thought, you know, I've always had a question I want to ask, and since there are no stupid questions and, and they're welcoming, I'll ask it. And so I asked, um, do ducks have ears? And everybody looked at me shocked and laughed. And then I found out there are stupid questions. <laughs> but it's interesting, isn't it? For all the years that that admonishment has been out there, for all the years that we have heard there are no stupid questions, that admonishment hasn't made much of a dent. Because people in general still hate to ask questions. Why is that? Well, like myself, you, you don't want to ask because you don't want to find out that maybe you're the only one who doesn't know. Or you don't ask because maybe deep down inside, you don't really want to know the answer. Or sometimes we don't ask because we're not even sure how to ask the question. I mean, think about some of the stupid questions we don't ask. You know, men who are famous for what? Not asking for directions. Um, I mean, think about those times where I think we've probably all been there when you walk up and you see someone and you think, should I ask? Is she pregnant? And then the better part of you says, don't ask that. Um, or when someone you know walks up to you and starts talking to you, and there's a piece of you that wants to ask, who are you? But you just fake it. Um, or it's like asking someone who just got out of jail. So, so what have you been up to? Yeah, you don't ask that. Um, or asking somebody who owes you money when they're going to pay you back. Or asking your boss when you're going to get that finally deserved raise. There are tons of questions. We don't ask, and they're not even the brightest questions. But it's interesting. There is one question that most people feel comfortable asking friends or even strangers. And it's the question, do you know what time it is? See, we don't feel bad about asking that question, do we? You've probably done, you've walked up to somebody you don't know and said, excuse me, do you know what time it is? And yet, ironically, That is one of the most unnerving questions if you really understand the significance of it. 
to walk up to someone and say, do you know what time it is? Because it indicates that there is a loss of a sense of where someone should be and what someone should be doing. Do you know what time it is? It determines whether you're living your life in order or whether you're living your life in chaos. It determines whether your life is meaningful or meaningless. It determines whether your life has been lived worthwhile or not. This week as we continue our new series called Monitoring Your Approach, I want to talk about monitoring our approach to time because it is one of the most critical areas of our lives. Think about all the words that we use for time, all the words in our vocabulary that have something to do with time. Listen to these, early, late, before, after, soon, today, tomorrow, yesterday, dawn, noon, afternoon, sunset, evening, AM, PM, days, weeks, months, years, millennials, baby, child, teen, adult, midlife, old age, delay, canceled, summer, fall, winter, spring. The list goes on and on. All the words that we use that that point us back to time. Because time is crucial. There's probably no better book in the Bible to look at when we look at monitoring our approach to time than the book of Ecclesiastes. Um, Ecclesiastes was was written by a man that I would say he was writing it going through almost like midlife crisis. Um, Trying to come to realize what is important and what is valuable. Trying to figure out where he fits in his activities and the significance of those activities. Um, it's interesting when you, when you read the book one of the key terms is under the sun everything is vanity under the sun everything is meaningless under the sun and what he's talking about is under the sun just in the sense of life as we know it and live it but it's when we look at life above the sun when we look higher than just ourselves and we see God in the midst of it, then life becomes meaningful and plentiful. Um, This morning we're gonna look at uh, probably some of the most well-known verses in the book of Ecclesiastes. Um, Ecclesiastes chapter three. um, And just about everyone knows these verses. In in fact, after writing these verses, um, Solomon went on and and made a big hit um, with these verses, joined a group, and 
and, and, and sang a song. Uh, Andreas. That's Solomon right there. Now, that really isn't Solomon, um, but I do like the glasses. See, kids, if you study your Bibles, you can go on and make hit records and wear groovy clothes later, too. Um, Let's look at the words. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. Now I want you to just think about that. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. It means that God has laid out the seasons and the activities of our lives, that God has put boundaries in place, that he has put direction, that he has built in to time meaning and significance. There's nothing as we live our lives that if we're living them with this understanding that we can't say that doesn't make sense. Because we're told right from the beginning that for every thing, every activity, there is a time, there is a season. He says, a time to be born and a time to die. You see those boundaries. In fact, when you read these verses, you're gonna see that there are activities that only happen once in life, and there are activities that, that happen over and again at different stages, different seasons. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build up. And he's, he's talking about building up buildings, houses, whatever, tearing them down. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. And um, Cindy can tell you, you know, when you go to Israel, um, you know, it almost, someone has said that when God first created stones, he, he gave them to an angel and he tripped and they all fell in Israel because it's stone everywhere and everything's made of it. And they were used to scattering and gathering to build, to begin to be productive. Um, a time to embrace and a time to, to refrain from embracing. A time to, to greet and hold on and a time to let go. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep, a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak. 
a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. Do, do, do you get, I mean, he is just going down this exhaustive list of the activities and the polar opposites of those activities. And he's saying to us, there's a time for it all. Why do we call things inappropriate? Because they happen at the wrong time and they happen at the wrong place. Because they don't fit in to the right activity at the right time. Listen to what he goes on and says in verse 9. What do workers gain from their toil? He's asking the question, yeah, so there's all these different times and, and you're working and you're toiling, but what difference does it make? Because time waits for no one. The tides come in and out whether we're here or not. It, it seems futile. And yet he says, I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. This is what's critical. He's made everything beautiful in its time. Here's a principle I want to share that I want you to just keep with you as we, as we go through this and talk about it. Time is activity founded in accountability producing beauty. Do you have that, Andreas? There we go. What is, what is the purpose of, of time? It is engaging activities that are founded in accountability. And when we're talking about accountability, we're talking about divine accountability. Producing beauty. So Solomon is saying this, that when we take our activities and we place them under the accountability of God, God produces something beautiful. Because everything God does is redemptive. God is constantly looking to bring order to chaos. He is constantly looking to bring good to evil. He's constantly looking to bring beauty to ugliness. Time has a purpose. Built in that purpose, that accountability is the notion that, yep, time keeps us vigilant to the fact that our days on this earth have an end. And yet, in the midst of that, God's purpose is that we live meaningful lives on this side of paradise. Think about what one's use of time is like when they just live it under the sun and not above. When they live it with no God, 
directing their activities, calling them to accountability. It's living out activities in futility. See, one of the greatest blessings that God has given us is to know him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Submit to God your time and he will take it and transform it into something beautiful and productive. If someone walked up to you on the street and said to you, do you know what time it is? Would you know it on a deeper level? Would you be able to say, yes, I know what time it is. It's time for me to be engaging in this activity according to God's accountability. That I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing at this time. And I know it because I know what God requires. And I understand that that's the only way it becomes meaningful. It's the only way it becomes productive. It's the only way that it becomes something beautiful. When you think about wasting time, just the sound of it feels ugly, doesn't it? When you think about engaging in sinful activities, it's a loss of time. When you think about tearing something down when you should be building something up. When you think about living a self-centered life outside of God's accountability, all you lead is a self-destructive life. See, the, the beauty is when we take our activities and we just, we put them under the accountability of God. And we understand that, that there's a time for everything. We shouldn't be walking around not knowing what time it is. Because if I'm engaging in the activities that God has called me to engage in, then I know what time it is. Not just chronological on a clock, but I know what time it is in my life. I know that I'm where I'm at doing what I should be doing. I'm monitoring my approach. I'm understanding that time matters and that I can use it or abuse it. I can mark it with activities that lead to God's glory or I can just mock it and activities that lead to depravity. You see, the beauty is God has given us time to mark and measure our walk with him and to see and account for 
the beauty that he brings in our lives. As you live your lives in the days to come, I want you to stop and just ask yourself the question, what time is it? Do I know what time it is? Because by doing it, it will help you to see whether you're living under the accountability of God or whether you've just gone off in meaningless activities. God has given us time and he's called us to monitor it. Look at what Paul says in Ephesians chapter five. So then brothers, be careful how you live. Be careful. Because the opposite is what? Be careless. Be careful how you live. Do not be unwise, but wise, making the best use of your time because the times are evil. What does he mean by that? He means the times outside of God's control, and it's all within God's control, but people who are living their lives, who are setting another path, where they're living wasting their time. Paul says those times are evil. Make the best of your time because the times are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Because that's God's will. Look at what the writer of uh, Proverbs says. Excuse me, the psalmist. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days. Teach us to use our time in such a way that we might gain wisdom. Because when you think of wisdom, you think of beauty. And when you think of foolishness, you think of something ugly. Teach us to number our days. Use this week. Purposely build in times where you stop and you ask yourself, what time is it? See, that's, that's what Solomon was doing in his search for meaning and understanding. He was a guy looking to find out, what time is it? What really matters? Where do I fit? Where is God in the midst of this? Because he's in the midst of it. Because God has given us time that we might experience beauty, that we might enjoy life. Let's look at the rest of the verses. Do we have those, Andreas? Next. Next. I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good work while they live. That each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. I know that everything that God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing can be taken from it. 
God does it so that people will fear him. Go back just one more slide. I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live. That each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in their toil. Satisfaction in your work? Solomon's saying this, that if you engage in your activities, even though they seem futile, even though they seem meaningless, even though you might be in a job where you're just moving this box from here to over there and back and forth, Solomon is saying, trust in God that this is all good, that there is joy to be found, that it's not a burden unless you just live under the sun. Go on again. And is, is there That's the last one, right? Okay, I didn't know it. Um, what I want you to get in this is the meaning and the significance, the purpose of life. Because people miss it every day. I want to share with you some words from... Uh, Another group, um, group called Chicago. And uh, some of you remember now, so I'm, uh, these are old, old songs. So, if, um, yeah. It's called, Does Anyone Know What Time It Is? As I was walking down the street one day, I came up to, a man came up to me and asked me the time. And I said, does anyone really know what time it is? I don't. Does anyone really care? If so, I can't imagine why. We've all got time enough to cry. And as I was walking down the street one day, a pretty lady looked at me and said her diamond watch had stopped cold dead. And I said, does anyone really know what time it is? I don't. Does anyone really care? If so, I can't imagine why. We've all got time enough to cry. And while I was walking down the street one day, being pushed and shoved by people trying to beat the clock, oh, so I just don't know, I just don't know, and yes, I said, people running everywhere, people don't know the way to go, don't know where I am, can't see past the next step, don't have time to think past the next mile, have no time to look around, just run around, run around, and think why. Does anyone really know what time it is? Does anyone really care? If so, I can't imagine why. We've all got time enough to die. God has given us time to remind us there's a beginning and there's an end and it can be beautiful or it can be ugly. All we have to do is match our activity and accountability with God. And then trust that we can enjoy it even though there are things we can't make sense of. Even though there are times where things are hard and there are times that we grieve and we mourn, we just trust that God has built eternity in our hearts. 
And in the end, it will be a life of beauty. Let's join our hearts in prayer.